This is good to be in the presence of God, isn't it? Sometimes I, I don't know why I don't expect it, uh, but I guess I wasn't expecting it. He's just awesome, and it's so good to worship. I want to say thanks again to Matt. Uh, you did a great job preaching God's Word last week, and um, yeah, thank you for doing that. <laughs> Gave me a week where I wasn't prepping, but you just got to know, um, I love this post, okay? And so I didn't get a, a I, I, I missed a week. It's coming. You ready? I'm fired up. So let's get our Bibles and go to Jeremiah chapter 29. If you don't have a Bible, you'll notice that uh, one of our ushers is, uh, they're, they're coming around. They've got a Bible. We would love for you to have a copy of God's Word. Listen, we love the Bible. Uh, we want to study it together. So if you don't have one, get their attention, grab that. And, and if you don't own a Bible, would you please take that one with you? That is a gift from us to you, and uh, you can come back next week. We'd love to study it. Uh, so get your Bibles and go to Jeremiah chapter 29. We are starting a brand new series. It's actually much more than uh, just a series. Uh, we are starting Go Beyond today. And uh, Go Beyond, just so you kind of understand a little bit, this is our local outreach initiative. And I'm really thankful to the example of Harvest Bible Chapel Lancaster. They're the ones that really got this going, this uh, uh, out, local outreach initiative going up there in their community. In fact, I was actually with uh, the senior pastor uh, last night. Uh, I was at the, the Harvest Ashburn Vision Meeting out there, uh, fired up to be a part of our fellowship. And I got to spend some time with Pastor Dan from Harvest Annapolis and Pastor Jerry from Harvest Lancaster. Just love them. And it is an incredible privilege to be gathering with these men to take the hill. And we want to plant more churches, vertical churches, not existing for horizontal, man-centered reasons, but we're here for the glory of God. And uh, just love that we get to be a part of that. And so Harvest Lancaster uh, kind of put some organization and creativity into uh, go beyond. This is kind of the culmination of years of their local outreach, and this is how they define it: that go, uh, go beyond is a a church-led initiative to encourage, organize, and mobilize people to better our community through acts of service. And I got a chance to like witness this and um, see how it is bearing fruit in their community. This last year, they had over forty churches partner together as well, as well as some of their local businesses getting together to do uh, good works and service in their community. And uh, so we're starting it here. And, and I realized that while Go Beyond is just kind of fledgling right here in Harvest, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do, not only this year, but as this keeps progressing over the years, how he brings people together that we would make this a better place to live as we go. And we go beyond our walls and our comfort zones, and uh, we go beyond language and cultural barriers, and you just have to know, we are not a church that is only interested in, in us and in, in, in our thing. You know what I mean? That's not what we're here for, and we want to get our eyes off of ourselves, and we want to start looking at our community. In fact, we want to do what Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest, and we want to make an impact. We want to reach out and make an impact in our community. Do you want to make an impact? Do you care about our community? Come on, do you care about our community? Well, maybe you've heard it said then uh, multiple times that uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Now listen, we want to share the gospel. We're unafraid witnesses here at Harvest. And we have the greatest message in the world. 
We have good news, and we are going to share. We're going to proclaim the gospel whether people want to listen or not. And we just believe that God's word is so powerful, it's going to break through even the hardest of hearts. And yet, we kind of want to gain an audience, if you will, by the way that we live. You know what I'm saying? How many of you are, 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 are tired and want to stop adding to that stereotype that causes unbelievers to cringe when they think about Christianity because all they think of is like, oh yeah, they're just a whole bunch of hypocrites. How many of you are down with that and say, I want something better. I want to make an impact in my community. I want to be used of God in a mighty work here in Northern Virginia. You want that? Well, then I think God has a message for you today. So take your Bibles, and uh, right here in Jeremiah chapter 29, I could think of no better way for us to start this than to get into God's Word. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, I'm starting to read in verse 1. You follow along with me. Verse 1 says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamaria, the son of Hilkiah, from whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Amen. Right? Amen. No, I know that, okay, so let's just stop for a minute and and, and get our bearings because uh, I I realize that most of you probably don't get up in the morning where you're like, it's time to get into the Word, I'm ready for some time with the Lord. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the book of Jeremiah, that's where I'm going to go. And and we're jumping into the middle of this book, and I'm just guessing that if I asked you and had to quiz you, like, what's this book about, most of you would be like, I got nothing, I don't know. So, so we want to make sure that we have a little bit of context for what's going on here. So, so I want to I make a, a, a massive oversimplification of a very complex political uh, situation. Fair? I'm going to give you some history. I'm going to do my best not to bore you. Uh, but here's, uh, just so you kind of understand what's going on in the Old Testament so that we know what we're reading here and, and, and where we're picking up in the middle of, okay? So in the Old Testament... God rescues his people. He brings them out of the land of Egypt, brings them into the promised land, and they decide they want a king. Like we don't want just, just like God rule. We want, we want like a human king, somebody that we can see. And so God gives them what he wants. He gives them Saul. Remember that guy? And then David, like David and Goliath. And, and, and then Solomon. And then after Solomon, the kingdom was actually split into two. I actually have a picture of this. Uh, uh, this is, here's a map, and let's just be honest. This is just because I wanted to get out my nifty little laser pointer because I think it's really cool. Okay, so I, I'm trying to clarify here. There were two different kingdoms. You see the kingdom here in the north. This is the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom here in the south. This is the kingdom of Judah. The kingdom of Israel, it had 19 kings. Every single one of them was evil. They all did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God kept sending prophets to them. Guys like Elijah and Elisha and Jonah and Hosea. Maybe you've heard a couple of these guys. But they wouldn't listen. They just refused to listen. All of the kings were evil. So God eventually took them out. 722 B.C., the Assyrians came in. They came in from the north up here. And, and, and they took Israel. And they're, they're gone. No more. Well, Judah, down here in the south, and you can see right here is Jerusalem. 
uh, uh, Judah, that kingdom, had 20 different rulers. And, and actually, some of them were okay. Some of them were pretty good. A lot of them were bad, and, and they did not obey. They still did not obey. And, and so this is where Jeremiah is ministering. He is prophesying here at the end of uh, the kingdom of Judah, and, and um, he prophesied that, that, hey, if you guys don't get, get your act together, God's going to send you into exile. And so uh, God did just that. He brought the Babylonians that came from like way out over here. And the Babylonians came in and they took the best and the brightest uh, out of Jerusalem and Judah and took them into exile. You've heard a couple of these guys like Daniel, like Daniel in the lion's den. He went with them. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were the guys, the three guys in the fiery furnace. They were some of the guys that went with them. So, so, so Jeremiah, he actually had prophesied in chapter 25. I want you to see this. Jeremiah chapter 25, he said this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words. Okay? You didn't listen. Because you haven't obeyed my words, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. He told them that ahead of time. Now, now I, I realize that a lot of you like, think that in the Old Testament, that God was like so vindictive and like he's just so mean and cranky. And listen, listen, God was so incredibly patient. If this had been you, this had been me, man, I'd have taken them out after the second or third king for sure. But God's just like, no, he just keeps coming, keeps warning them and warning, and they would not listen. And so he sent them into exile. And he said, you're going to be there for 70 years. So what are we reading now? What, what, what are we reading here in Jeremiah chapter 29? Well, look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 just so we understand what's going on. Uh, these are the words. Are you see it? These are the words of the what? There's a letter. Okay, so we're reading some mail. We're reading a letter. Who's it from? It's from Jeremiah. Remember, he's still down in, in Jerusalem, and he's writing to all of the exiles that are there in Babylon. And, and you just got to understand, this is not like a postcard for somebody that went on an exotic vacation. This is more like a handwritten letter to someone that just got thrown in jail, and, and they, need, they need some encouragement. And they're having a really, really bad day, and they could use a word from the Lord. But I love, I, I love that what we're going to see in this letter is, is that God actually wanted to do, he wanted way more for them than to just survive. God wanted them to thrive and make an impact where they were. Do you want to make an impact? Now let's read this letter. You ready? Verse 4. Here's what it said. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie 
that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Here's the message that he's given them. And if you want to make an impact where you're at, I think this is the message for you today. Note this. Settle down. God put you here. Settle down. God put you here. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what you're, you're experiencing at the moment, but maybe this is a message for you. What he said to them, verse 5, he said, hey, hey, hey guys, I want you to build houses, plant gardens, uh, get, uh, take, take wives, uh, you know, uh, let, let your family start to multiply. Well, basically, here's what he's saying. He, we, we, we might call this uh, nesting. Have you ever experienced this phenomenon? Yes? Uh, so, so I think about my awesome wife, Carissa, and one of the things I love about her is that she just makes things beautiful. And I think about my first, uh, the first apartment that we lived in when we got married, and I lived in it before. And you just got to understand, this place was tiny. I mean, it was, it was upstairs in the house, and it had this creepy staircase in order to get up to it, and like literally, there's like no space for anything. We literally did not have a door on our bedroom. Uh, that's, I realize that's like TMI, but, but it, like we didn't have a whole lot of guests, and, and, and the aesthetic appeal to the whole place was a little lacking. I, I had, a, um, I had a, a mattress on the floor, and I had a, a suitcase where, where some of my clothes were in sort of, a, a sort of order there, and I had a toothbrush. I think I had like a pot and a pan, but I also had a microwave, so I didn't really need those. Let's just say that the feng shui of this place needed some major help. Well, I got married, and guess what happened? You know what she did? She started nesting, and she started making it look awesome. And I'm telling you, the extreme home makeover was miraculous. And, and for the first time in my life, since I moved out of my parents' house, I had things like curtains, and, and, and candles, and, and I think we had like three sets of knives, and literally I think we had four fondue pots that were given to us as wedding gifts, and, and, and actually one of, one of which, I, I, someone like, they must have like used it and put it right back in the box and like gave it to us, like don't do that, okay? Uh, but, but here's the deal, she started making it feel like home, and it was awesome. Essentially that's what God's saying to him. Hey guys, settle down. I want you to start nesting. This is going to be your home. And the reason that he's having to give them this command is because of the false prophets that you see there in verses 8 and 9. The, the, the false prophets were coming in, and, and here's what they were telling them. They're, they're like, hey, guys, don't start unpacking. Don't get comfy. God's not going to keep us here, okay? We're going to get to go home soon. And you got to know that everybody who's hearing that, they're like, man, that's really good news because they don't want to be here. Remember, this is enemy territory. This is, this, they're in exile. This is foreign. The people dress weird and the food smells and they talk differently. That cr crazy names we can't pronounce. And, and I don't know how to order a decent cup of coffee here. People looking at me all creepy. I don't want to settle down. I don't want to live here. And just so that you would kind of feel the angst. Imagine that we were in the middle of war and an enemy comes in and they take you out and you are stuck living in a country where all the signs are in Arabic and they're burning American flags in the streets. Home sweet home, right? No, man, like they're, they're, they're waiting for the next bus back to Jerusalem. They're like, man, like get out. And, and because the prophets are telling them it's coming, they're, they're getting out their passports like, sweet, we're getting out of here. I don't want to stick around for this. But what God was telling them was, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't listen to them. I didn't send those guys. They're lying to you. I told you it was going to be 70 years. I'm not changing my mind on that one. So settle down. I wonder... Um, 
Have you settled down where you're at? You have a love-hate relationship with where you live and where you're at in life. Have you ever, I'm just curious, um, have you ever felt like, I don't really want to live here? At, at least not forever. You ever wrestle with that? Like, like, I, like don't get me wrong. Like, I like telling people uh, that I'm from Northern Virginia, but, but, but I don't always like it here. I, I, I realize it's, maybe somebody would think that this is living there. I don't feel like I'm living the dream, and, and I hate the traffic, and my job is cool, but it's pretty crazy, and there's so much pressure here, and the beach is too far away, my family's too far away. People don't love Jesus. They don't think like me. They don't have the same values as me. I don't like my neighbors. I don't know them. I can barely even talk to them when I do see them. And they're probably going to move away soon anyway. So what's the point in trying to build relationships around here? And, and, and frankly, I just don't care enough to get to know these people and try to love them. That's a lot of work. And I don't have time for that. And, 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 and I may not be here that long anyway. And I'm just, I'm just not settled. I'm not I'm not happy in, with where I'm at in life. I, I, I wish I had a better job. I wish I had a better house. I wish I had a better neighborhood. I, I want to feel more comfortable. I want to feel more safe. I want to feel like I have more space. I, wanna, I want more time. I'm not saying it's all terrible. There's some really great things about it, but I'm just not, I, I don't really love where I'm at in life. You feel that? Sometimes um, I, I realize I talk to people around here, and this is kind of the vibe. We have a love-hate relationship with this area. And sometimes we have a hard time trusting God's sovereignty and his plan that he would have me here right now. And I want to say, God, why? Like, this isn't, why are you letting this happen? This isn't where I thought I would be. And I, I just want something more. I think about Jesus. And I'm really thankful because I think he helps to assure us that God's plan is always best. I think he left his throne to come down here and live with us. But the fact that he would submit to the Father's will before going to the cross and say things like, not my will, but yours be done. And there's no greater impact that the world has ever known than that we could be saved. All because the Son submitted to the Father's plan and his will. Are you willing to submit to God's plan for your life right now, even if you feel like, I'm just hoping this is a detour? Are you willing to submit to God's plan for your life, even if it's not exactly what you would have planned? Now look what he says to him in verse 4. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom... I have sent. God's just making sure they don't miss this point, okay? Hey, I'm the one that put you in this city. I put you here. And I don't know where you're at. 
your life, your family, your job, your neighborhood, your community. You think about those things. Do you know that God put you there? So settle down. This is where he has you. And if your eyes are always looking for something else, some greener pasture, what's next? You are going to miss what God has for you here right now and the opportunity for you to make an impact for his glory. And I realize you may not always live here and this stage of life that you're in is probably going to change, but don't let the uncertainties of the future keep you from engaging this community because this is where God has you right now. And this is not a principle that means you can never quit your job, you can never change jobs, you can never move away. Honestly, I wish that that's what it said because this is one of the things that makes it so hard to live around here, isn't it? This is a transient area and people are coming in and people are going out. That's painful. And we love it here. And we want you to stay. And I, I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and the first time I meet them and they, they just moved to the area and they tell me something like, well, we're only going to be here for six months or, or we're only going to be here for a year and a half. And I just want to say, well, while God has you here, be here. This is where he has you. And you may only be here for a season, but never doubt that God has you here right now for a reason. That should be a bumper sticker, right? Somebody should be making money off of that. God has you here right now for a reason. You want to make an impact? I was just driving home last night praying that God would kindle a fire in your hearts, my heart, and a passion for this place. We would love it. And we'd be willing to submit to His sovereignty and trust be here. Well, we're not going to spend a lot of time unpacking this, but I just want you to look at what he told them. This is kind of the encouragement, verse 10. Verse 10, here's his encouragement to them. He says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Is it possible? Is it possible that God has you where you're at in your life right now because he just wants to teach you that you can trust him. That you would seek him and learn to depend on him. I think he's working to convince you that he's trustworthy and that you need him. And, and, and you got to, here's the crazy part. Okay, they're in Babylon because they sinned, right? In some ways, this is punishment. But this isn't just like God sent them through their room for 70 years to think about what they've done. God is actually going to teach them, I'm proving to you my goodness that you can trust me. And then, and this, here's where it's crazy. He's going to use them to make an impact here. Watch this. Look at verse 7. Here it is. Seek the welfare of the city. That's a message for you. Would you jot that down? You need that. Seek the welfare of the city. God puts you here, and he cares about this city. Do you? 
the, the idea here this, that we would seek the welfare, I, re, I realize that welfare, that, that's kind of a provocative word around here right outside of Washington, I'm sure. Like, so it's like, I, I realize it might carry some personal or political baggage for you, but it's actually a really cool word. In the Hebrew, the word is this. It's the word shalom. Maybe you've heard it. You're like, oh, I've heard of that. That's, that's, today, if you go to Israel, that's the word that they would use to greet you. The word literally means peace or well-being or even prosperity. What it's saying is God sent his people to Babylon and intended for them to be a blessing to the city, to serve, to promote, to protect the well-being of the people that lived there, even though they were pagans, that they would have shalom. How much more does God intend his church? Does God intend Harvest Fairfax to seek the welfare of our community here in Northern Virginia and seek to make this a better place to live, to experience shalom, to experience peace and prosperity and care about the well-being of our community. Do you care about the city? Do you care about your city? Whether you're coming from uh, Oakton, Herndon, Centerville, South Riding, Fairfax, Burke, Vienna, Annandale, Arlington, uh, Springfield, D.C. We literally have people coming from all of those places and gathering here at Harvest. And I realize there's a lot of diversity recognized there. there, there there's, there's diversity uh, both politically and culturally and racially and socially and economically. And, and yet there are some common experiences and struggles that we all share living here in Northern Virginia and D.C., right? We kind of deal with some extremes. That's kind of our community. I think about Fairfax County. Fairfax County alone has over 1.1 million people. I know that doesn't surprise you because you're like, yeah, I drive in the traffic every day. So, so here's the deal. In, in just one square mile in our county, there's almost 3,000 people. That's a lot of people. And, and we are consistently listed as one of the top two or three richest counties in the entire United States based upon median household income. And yet we still have a 6% poverty rate, which in some ways may not be that bad, but that, that means that we at least have about 70,000 people that are living below the poverty line in our community. And yet we also have government agencies and Fortune 500 companies. There's opportunities here. People are driven. People are successful. And yet it's also pretty stressful. I mean, how many of you are driving at least 30 minutes to an hour or more commuting to work every day? You feel it, don't you? And 55% of our county have no religious adherence at all. That's about 600,000 people. There's many more than that who don't know Jesus. Can I just tell you, I am so glad God put us here. I know that many people are kind of living with this love-hate relationship with this area, but our community needs to be transformed. Our community needs to be transformed by the gospel because only the values of his kingdom where Jesus reigns is their shalom, is their peace, and only the gospel can take a city that is broken and for us, ironically, impoverished physically and, and spiritually and emotionally because of sin. Only the gospel can take a city like that and transform it and renew it and redeem every aspect of its community. 
So God cares. God cares about Fairfax and Northern Virginia. He cares about our our social injustices. He cares about the political strategies. He cares about the economic growth and the decline, the access to medical and educational benefits. He cares about the cultivation and creativity and culture, the protection and community. He cares about these things. Why? Because he cares about people. He loves. John 3.16, we know this, right? For God so loved this world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life and we have this awesome message we 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 get this opportunity to proclaim the gospel that can transform lives but listen listen we are not we're not we're not only interested in gaining converts we're going to care about the well-being of these people Jesus told us that we were to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And I know like one of, one of the things we want to eradicate suffering and eternal suffering is the worst suffering. We do not want people to suffer an eternity in hell apart from God. And so we're declaring the gospel to them, but may it never be said of us that we would look people in the face and essentially tell them, yeah, I don't really care that you're, you don't have food to eat tonight. I don't really care that you've been violated physically or that you're suffering emotionally or that you're struggling under the pressures of work or even that you've got your thing and you're trying to do something good in our community. None of that matters. You just need to listen to me so I can tell you how to be saved. And we want them to come to Christ, but we, we care about their well-being. So, How can you seek the welfare of the city? Well, I think in this text, we actually get a couple of wrong responses. And Tim Keller's been helpful here. Here are wrong wrong responses to the city. One is that we would start to resemble it. That we would start to resemble and assimilate into the city. See, here's what the Babylonians were doing. Let's, let's, Let's take you out of your country, bring you to a new one, And we want you to, you know, come on in and and forget where you came from. Forget your God. Forget his rules. You just be just like us, right? Remember remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember those guys? Did you know those aren't their real names? Those are their Babylonian names. Their real Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? So what the Babylonians were doing is like, we want you to forget and lose your old spiritual identity. We want you to become just like us. You cannot demonstrate and protect the values of Christ's kingdom in this city if you're just like everybody else in the city and you look nothing like Christ. In John chapter 17, Jesus in his high priestly prayer, he was praying for you, he was praying for me, and he said this, he said, the world has hated them, that's us, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We're not of this world. I know we live here, but we don't belong here. Our citizenship belongs in heaven with Christ. And our sin is like urban camouflage. God never intended you to blend in and disappear in our city because there's no distinction in your lives and your conduct. No, no, no. Like, he, your, your, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, they need to see a radical difference in your priorities and your pursuits because the gospel's changed you and it's changed what you love. So we don't want to just start to resemble the city but we also don't want to stay removed and isolated. 
See, the false prophets were telling, like, 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 they're, they're encouraging God's people, just ignore, stay away from those dirty Babylonians, right? Like, we, we don't want anything to do with them. They're the bad guys. Let's just stick to ourselves. We, 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 I, I know that the temptation is great, and I know it's easy for us to do this, but we cannot create our own little Christian bubble where we never have to interact with those unbelievers, and we can keep our kids away from those people. That just breeds isolation and fear and hatred, and the danger is that we would have a, a, a hypocritical pharisaical, unloving attitude that we could pass by all these people in this pagan city on their way to hell and they deserve it and we don't have to get our hands dirty. No, 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 no. Jesus said in in John 17 as he was praying, he says, they're not of the world. We don't belong to the world, but, but as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Do you know that God has called us to be in the world, but not of it? This is our mission field. And he put us here. So seeking the welfare of the city means that we would do good. We'd care about this place. And that we would be good citizens. Think about what you do. Your work. See, like the gospel just redeems your work and what he's put you here for. And you have a platform for this whether it's a neighbor, an employee, a business owner, politics, military, mother, father, co-worker. It's a platform for you to be a good citizen and seek the welfare of this city. I want you to see this, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. That's what we are. We're just here for a little while. We, we don't belong here, but we're just here for a season. As so, sojourners and exiles, he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. And then verse 17, he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Man, that would have been a, a, an outrageous, radical message for the early church. You're supposed to submit to that governing authority. Rome was an awful em- empire. And he's saying, you be good citizens right there. You're going to seek the welfare of this city. That you would go beyond your own bubble. Go beyond your own comfort zone. That you would keep up with our local news. Know your neighbors. Work hard. Grow your business. Help your company succeed. Raise your kids, defend our country, make something that benefits people, fight for justice, protect those who are vulnerable, strive to eradicate the consequences of living in a sin-cursed world, help the needy, vote, serve, do good. We love this place and always seek the welfare of the city, says verse 7, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. I, I, I asked you, this is why we want to move from having a prayer team to being a praying church. Do we pray? Are we praying for our community? Are we praying for Fairfax in Northern Virginia knowing that its greatest need is Jesus? Are we praying for God to move mightily in our city? He's got to do it. He just might use you. So, I think what if everybody in our church took this? what What if everybody just said, you know what? God put me here. And I'm not going to worry about 
what's coming in the next few months or what's going on next year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concern myself with right now. And I'm going to settle down and seek the welfare of this city. That's why we're doing Go Beyond. And I hope this has become pretty obvious. I hope I've kind of answered these questions. What, 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 what is Go Beyond? It's a church-led initiative to encourage and organize and mobilize people to better our community through acts of service. And, and, and I, you get the why, right? It's because we love Jesus and we love our neighbors and we want to promote the values of God's kingdom. We want to point them to Christ. It's the gospel. The gospel has changed our lives and we know that the only hope for the world is when Jesus reigns. His kingdom works. He's, he's designed it. And so we want to promote the things that he loves. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to go beyond in July? Well, we have got, and I'm going to put this on the screen here, uh, we're, we've got four Go Beyond projects that we're going to engage in. We want you. No joke, start putting these on your calendar. I want you there. I want you to do this. We're going to serve because we care about this community. And so here are the four projects that we're going to go after this month. The first project I'll talk to you more about in just a minute. Uh, We are going to uh, minister to the Sanctity of Life Ministries with the Baby Bottle Project. We'll bring those together July 30th. Uh, uh, The the project number two is going to be Second Story, one of our own. Miss Lauren Witherspoon works there, and uh, we're really thankful for them. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a work day. We're going to come on out, okay? We're going to serve together on Saturday, July 15th. You got that? Put it on your calendar. I'm telling you, don't tell me, uh, like, I, I, I don't know. I think we might be going down to Chick-fil-A that day. No, you're going to be there. We want you here. We want you serving, okay? So get it on your calendar. Uh, the third project we're actually going to do in our small groups, we're going to put backpacks together for the homeless. Because we have people that come, and they're needy, and we don't want to shut our ears to the cries of the poor. We want to at least be prepared with something. that We're, we're, we're going to do a drive in our small groups, put these backpacks together, so that when people come up, they're, they're filled with some personal goods and, and a gift card to a grocery store so that they can get food, because we care about these people in our community. And the last one is the cookout at the shelter house. You see it there, Sunday, July 23rd. Um, we are going to be hosting... We, we can cook, okay? We're, we're good at this. We're going to host a cookout and games, but it's not so that we get to hang out. Like, we, we love hanging out. We're going to go love on these people, and, and we're going we're gonna to go um, host this for the people that are staying at the Patrick Henry Family Shelter. That's for homeless families and victims of domestic violence. It's going to be right after our service, uh, Sunday, July 23rd. We want you there, Okay. I'm giving you all of these things. There's a place that you could go on the website. Do you know where you would go to find information on this? Do you know? Where, where would you go? Next Steps, well done. Uh, go to Next Steps. You're going to find there's a Go Beyond page. It has all four of these projects listed. There are action items for each of them. I am so thankful for our Go Beyond team. Eli and Gracie, thank you guys for all the work that they have done and putting a lot of this together. Yep. Love it. And uh, so here's our first project. And, uh, and, and I just want to give you a little bit of details on this. We are going to be doing a baby bottle drive for the Sanctity of Life Ministries. And so that you can kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of this ministry, I just want you to watch this, okay? I took a pregnancy test in the morning time. And it said positive. So I freaked out and I told my girlfriend, Monica, I'm like, Google the nearest clinic. We have to find out if I'm 100% sure I'm pregnant. I thought about my family, financial problems, my schooling, my work. I just, everything a teenage mom could ever think. I made a final decision that 
I'm going to go through this abortion whether or not anybody tells me. And I'm so thankful that I have a baby father who has helped me through so much because he encouraged me to get the ultrasound. I said, okay, we're going to do the abortion. At least let's see the baby one last time. And at first she was like, no, it's going to break my heart. But I was like, your heart is going to be broken regardless after this. So might as well see him one last time. And when I saw my baby in the pregnancy center, I just cried right away because I said, I can't, I can't kill my son. We saw him, and once we saw him, it was just like, like it seemed like he was putting on a show. That's when the dancing baby came out. So I'm really thankful for this ministry. Um, they exist, they say, uh, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and affirm life in the womb. Life in Christ, life in the womb. Can we get behind that? Can we support that? Come on. I mean, that's, this is the gospel. And they have, as you saw, they have these Nova Pregnancy Help Centers in Alexandria and Fairfax. They're equipped with ultrasound technology, medical care, people that love. And, and their staff and their volunteer, uh, they minister to over 700 women every year. Uh, so that, if you think about that, that kind of averages almost two women a day. So by the time our Go Beyond uh, month is over, 60 more women will have walked through their doors. Do you think that God cares about these women and their babies? He's forming these, light, these little lives together in their mother's wombs, those that are going to be impacted. Do you think God loves them? Do you think that they need to know that there's hope in Jesus? I'm so thankful for the impact of this ministry. This is a value. God, God values life. This is the gospel. And Northern Virginia is going to be a better place because of this work. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're, we're trying to make this really helpful, practical for you. Um, here's how you can be a part. We have baby bottles that are here this morning, and we want you to take one of these baby bottles. Take more than one of these baby bottles. Take one for your family. We're gonna, we've been talking with our kids. We're getting our kids fired up about this. We want to serve together. Uh, take one for every person in your family. Uh, we want to encourage people that aren't here to get baby bottles. We, even if they don't go to church, they're not a part of our church, they can still help in this. And, and you can go to somewhere on our website. Where is it? There it is. And, and you can make sure that you get a baby bottle. We'll get a baby bottle to you. We want to help you with this. So you take these baby bottles, and here's what you do with them. You fill them with change, with cash, or with a check. You can make that check out to Sanctity of Life Ministries. Listen, listen. We are going beyond just your regular giving to the church. We want to give generously to this. And so would you just take this, and then we're going to bring them back together uh, Sunday, July 30th. You've got a whole month. Fill it. Let's give generously. We believe in what they're doing, and we want to make a difference in our community. So here's what I want you to do. If you are committed to this, if you are ready to take a step, say, I want to make an impact, I want to go beyond and serve my community, then this is the way you can do it right now, okay? We're going to stand together, and we're going to continue to sing. We're going to sing of the love of Christ. His love never fails. And we want people to experience that. We want people to know His love. And so if you want to do this, if you're willing to be a part of this, then here's what I want you to do. Come right now. Come get your bottle as we sing. Come right now and come get this. We want to go beyond together, all right? Let's do this.